So do you remember when Paul Bettany was in, like, you know, good movies? Yes. I remember when he was acclaimed for his nuanced acting. I don't understand at what point he said, no, I'm just going to take whatever dumb comic book action hero you have to throw at me. You know, you get enough job security and you can just do what's fun. Well, you know what? He still wound up with a Marvel role and getting those sweet, sweet residuals. So I guess it worked out for him. Paid off. And the, all, all because of Priest. <laughs> his sacred vow, you will find him dead or alive. They bred a new army. You're too late, priest. This is their turn now. Is it true what they say about priests? You wield the hand of God. Hi, I'm Rose. I'm Hannah, and this is More is More, a bad movie podcast, where today we're talking about Priest, starring Paul Bettany, Carl Urban, Maggie Q, Lily Collins, Cam Gigadiz, I don't know how to say his name, um, and no I does. refuse to learn because he's a bad actor and he's weird looking. He used to show up in way more stuff than he does now. Yeah, he had a, a period where he was getting big roles in movies, but... He just isn't very good. I'm not surprised that he hasn't had longevity. I guess it's maybe that he feels like he was in more stuff because he was on the OC. So for a while, you just saw his face around a lot. Yeah, I guess so. And he was in Twilight and... For a while, it was just like if you needed a good-looking high school guy. Oh, is that what we're calling him? Good-looking? Well, kind of that classic, like, jock kind of look. Yeah, he's in early 2000s. yeah. Like, I'm not look. saying he has an ageless, a, a timeless face or anything, but like he was doesn't. who you cast when you needed that person. Yeah, here's the problem with him. <laughs> here's one problem with him. His mouth is open a lot. <laughs> and I remember hearing Jane Lynch say that when she was in The Fugitive, Harrison Ford told her, and she's like, this was really good to learn, if you keep your mouth open just like your mouth is just hanging open. It doesn't matter why, what character choice you were trying to make or what you're trying to convey with it, you are just going to look stupid. Which is true. It is true. And I never would have thought about it so explicitly until I heard her say that. And now I notice it all the time in movies where people just look dumb because their mouths are hanging open. And people do just leave their mouths hanging open sometimes in movies. They do. And I'm really surprised that more directors don't know that and tell them not to do it. Yeah. So, anyway, Harrison Ford should start teaching seminars. Just post that on his Twitter every yeah. day. Yeah, it's just that and, like, how to have a weird half-smile. <laughs> okay, so here's the other thing. Very few people have names in this movie. Paul Bettany doesn't have a name. He's just the priest. Maggie Q doesn't have a name. She's the priestess. There um, were other priests and priestesses, though. So I guess everyone's just known by that once you're... I don't know. I mean, they don't ever really call him anything. That's what he's billed as. At one point, somebody called him father, which I thought was odd. That is weird. 
because... Pretty sure he's not, like, a sacramental priest. Well, that's the thing, is I'm like, it's not like he's saying mass or anything. I don't understand why someone would call him father. And if he was to be referred to as father, theoretically, his name should be whatever saint's name he chose. Well, I also have a question. This this ties into a lot of questions I have about the church, such as, why was ev- the most high-ranking person we saw who controls the whole church a, a monsignor? <laughs> the council of people controlling the church are all monsignors. That's like one step above parish priests. Yeah, so fun fact, guys. Monsignor is not like an actual rank in the church. It is an honorific given to priests who've performed admirably, I guess. I don't know. I mean, the bishop will give it to you, but it's really just an honorific. Yeah, we had a Monsignor at our church, and he was just, like, he was just really old. And he also built the church. He built the church. He founded the church. And that was why. Yeah. But, yeah, that's, like, that's what a Monsignor is. It's not... Because Monsignor... It's so weird that they were Monsignors. Yeah, because Monsignor is the French word for Lord. I know! So... Oh my gosh. Okay. It's not an actual, like, I can't believe they weren't at least bishops. I, I know. But guys, <laughs> everyone knows the ranks in the Catholic Church. It, they should have been cardinals. I wonder if they used it because they, Monsignor is something that a lot of people don't actually know what it is. They've just heard it in, like, old movies and stuff. So maybe they thought it was more important than it was. Well, I mean, guys, it's called it, Google. Maybe they thought it sounded more mysterious. Oh, like these are the guys pulling the strings. Yeah, or something. Maybe. So we start out at the Solamira Hive, which looks like a huge mountain with the top blown off. Um, it looks like a good candidate for Mount Doom. <laughs> um, but also, I can't tell if they've built this thing or if it was also already a natural structure. And then they built their hive inside of it. Also, it doesn't matter. So Well, good, because they're not going to answer that. Yeah, <laughs> they're not going to answer a lot of things. Paul Bettany, Carl Urban, and Maggie Q, plus some other unimportant priests, are walking through the tunnels. Bettany says, it's a trap. At the least helpful time, a split second before all of the monsters ambush them. That's always when people realize it's a trap. I know, and I'm like, what do you want? Do you think that was helpful I, you're just saying, whatever. That's not his problem. His problem is not to be helpful. Yes, I guess not. Bettany tries to pull Urban out of the tunnels with him, but Urban is pulled back in. And now we get animated exposition, y'all. This is what is known. There has always been man. And there have always been vampires. Since the beginning, the two have been locked in conflict. The vampires were quicker, stronger. But man had the sun. was not enough. And so it went like this over many years. The two races destroying not only each other, but the world itself. 
I actually liked this animation, although it? honestly, it was, it was a little bit weird that it was in here, but you know. It was weird that it was in there, but I think it fit with the feeling of the movie, and it was not bad. It definitely let, let you know what you were in for, in case you thought this was just an imaginative film that you were going to be watching. Like, nope. Absolutely not. Comic book craziness. <laughs> yes. So the vampires are sort of humanoid, but they're definitely monsters, and they don't have eyes. And then we cut to a sort of World War II-looking battle, so you can see that this is just going on for years and years and years and years. But nothing seems to really be working. The vampires always tear these people apart to the point that I don't know why they go outside at all. Just fight them from the tanks you now have. <laughs> it's bizarre. So people retreated to high-walled cities under the protection of the church. Am I to believe that it took hundreds of years for that to happen? Also... Did you know that in medieval times, they were already in high-walled cities? Did they leave them again? Yep. This is the kind of thing that in this movie makes no sense. There's a lot of stuff like this. It's like the defining feature of medieval forts. Yeah, right? And so, what, they left the cities because it was so unsafe? Yeah. <laughs> to go out anywhere? So they go to the cities, and then they, <laughs> they say it as, then they found a weapon? But really, they just trained the priests. Well, do they, though? Because they make it... I feel like they make it clear that they're looking for specific people. Yeah, that These is These people were chosen to be priests because of some nebulous quality that is never defined. Yes, to the point that the church is like, you don't have a choice. We're taking this person. Yeah, and I was expecting them to say why, what it was about them. Like, they were super fast or super strong or psychic or they could detect vampires from 20 feet away or I don't, I don't know what the thing is that makes them special or unique. Well, would have been nice to get that, but no. Nope. Because they can apparently define, find it in anything from a 30-year-old man to a 5-year-old girl. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. This will be one of my many unanswered questions for this film. Yeah, exactly. So the priests won the war, and the remaining vampires were put on reservations. Why? I don't understand why. If you think they're evil monsters, why did you let any of them live? Yeah. It's just not... I'm not debating the morality of wiping out the vampires. I'm just saying why in this movie did that happen. Because it doesn't square with anything else. Because they are the villain. Like, and also they're not... In, even in this movie... They're not shown as anything other than murderous animals. Yeah, they do seem very animalistic. They don't ever communicate with humans. They don't seem to have they just, city structures of their own other than their hive. They make their hives, but they just scream but so do bees. all the time. So, you know, they're not like... There's no marks of civilization about them. And they don't seem to be intelligent other than an animalistic intelligence. So right. I don't understand, like you said, like what's, what would the argument be for keeping them around? Yeah, it's very unclear. Especially when they're your go-to villain. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and the priests were ordered to disband and be reintegrated into society. They faded into obscurity, they say, as much as that's possible with a huge cross tattooed on your face. Back in a western town, Stephen Moyer, hilarious because he was on True Blood for a long time, <laughs> is in a western town measuring radiation and soil contamination on what I can only assume is his homestead. They can finally start planting. It's finally not contaminated. Okay, I 
have a huge problem at this point. Go on. With the fact that their cities are these futuristic, several hundred years in the future from now looking cities. Uh-huh. And yet their countryside is apparently the Old West. Yeah, it's the 1800s. I have a huge problem with the disparity of technology and culture between the city and the country. I have a huge problem with a lot of things that you've just said that mm-hmm. we'll go into later. It, it does, truly doesn't make sense. His wife is Madchen Amick. I think that's how you say her name. Sure. And then their daughter is Lily Collins. Lily Collins comes in obviously lying about where she's been, probably seeing a boy that Stephen Moyer does not approve of. Which we know because Stephen Moyer is like, why? where were you going wearing your Sunday best? She is wearing clearly underwear. I know. She's in a completely white dress with a corset on the outside. I know. I this know. is underwear. I know. It would have been underwear in that setting. But they don't say it. They, Of course, everyone's just like, no, that's old-timey clothes. No, it wasn't. No, she was, should be wearing an actual dress over all that. I know. Get it together, guys. <laughs> she looks like a tramp. She kind of does. I, th- I mean, if you know what she's supposed to be wearing, she looks like a tramp. Exactly. Um, so they argue, and, you know, she doesn't have any freedom. She wants to see friends. Why, why are they here? Just so they can maybe plant something one day. Valid question, because my question would be, how have they supported themselves thus far? I, and did right? they move there specifically once the land was not contaminated? <laughs> so where were they before that she was ripped away from all her friends? I know. I know. Questions. Also, where are they getting, where are they as a civilization getting food from? If the land they need to plant is contaminated, yet they have these super high-tech cities, they must be able to get food somewhere, which makes me think they have advanced ways of getting food. They don't need farmers. They're also not on a prairie. They're in a desert. Yeah, now. Good luck farming anything other than prickly pear. Yeah. I don't understand. I get it that they wanted a certain... That's a lot of what this movie is. They wanted a certain look. They wanted it to feel a certain way. And so they just did things without thinking about what it meant or trying to make it work with the story. Because the problem is homesteads like that that you see in westerns, they're not farmers. They're ranchers. Exactly. And these you don't see a single cow yeah. in this movie. First time I've complained about that. <laughs> <laughs> I think all movies should have more cows. That's my, my frequent complaint. <laughs> you won't shut up about it. It's really weird. I've stopped watching movies with you. <laughs> Everything but Westerns. Yeah, everything but Westerns. <laughs> and ranching Westerns at that. <laughs> so as they're saying grace, the house starts shaking. Owen, that's Stephen Moyer's name, Owen looks outside and sees tons of vampires coming toward the house. He says, get her below stairs or whatever, he says. Um, so they've got a little basement. They put Lucy in there. They say, whatever you hear, don't scream. After all the commotion is done, someone opens up the door, and that's when she screams. I can't believe he didn't also stick his wife down there. It's surprising to me. I thought of that, too. I was like, why didn't you put them both down there? It's not like she was really going to help fight. Also, why didn't you go down there? You were all either all going to die or survive because you were capable of fighting off a vampire horde. And I think we already know... (laughs) You're not capable of fighting off a vampire horde. Exactly. If those cartoons that I saw were the documentary I think they were, you can't do this. Exactly. So now we're in Cathedral City. Much like 
the rest of this movie regarding the church very subtle. Also, this is ridiculous. There are name. There are places that have been named essentially by the church. It's always Saint So and So. I know Cathedral City. That because they'd have a cathedral in the city, and in every city, if they run yeah. everything. So yeah. yeah, it doesn't make any sense. There's no sun in the cities. It is implied, although never explained, that there are huge black clouds of smog blocking out the sun in every city. We're essentially living in Blade Runner world in the city. Right. Except that people would die. <laughs> you would, I mean, people have a hard time living in cities that don't have that much smog, but have a lot still. Yeah, like LA in the 80s. Right, exactly. People seriously have trouble living there to the point that the cities have to change, and yet we're to believe there's so much pollution that the sun can't shine and everyone's fine. Or at least fine enough that they're alive. Because there would also be problems other than breathing. Yeah. If there was that much smog. Well, yes, exactly. And also, if no one was getting any sunlight, which is bad for you. Yeah. It's a very equilibrium-type subservience to the church that we have here. There's... This is insane, by the way. Like, they're broadcasting. Yes, there's signs that say, Faith, Work, Security. And they're they're just announcing over a, a speaker system... On repeat. On repeat. To go against the church is to go against God. This is insane. For one thing, if you're some insane theocracy with an iron fist, everyone should already know that. You don't need to broadcast it you on repeat. really wouldn't need to keep saying it. Everyone's been brainwashed since the time they were children to believe that. Yeah. I know. You, you saying it so much actually makes me think it might not be true. Yeah. <laughs> Paul Bettany goes into the confessional and is talking he's not even talking about sins he's talking about like his dreams that he has about Carl Urban getting pulled into the tunnels and i guess he thought maybe he would get to talk to Christopher Plummer the head of the church but the head monsignor of the church <laughs> but if he's it's just a recording and so he's disappointed and it's clearly the catholic church not just because of everything we've already heard but because a, there's a confessional, and B, he gets, like, three Hail Marys and two Our Fathers. Well, so he walks in, he says, bless me, Father, for I have sinned. Right. Although he doesn't say how long it's been since his last confession, so... I'm guessing 30 minutes in this To be system. fair, they probably have it all on record. Yeah, exactly. Considering he's doing it to a computer. Yeah. So, he's disappointed, and as he goes up to his apartment in the elevator, a little boy is staring at his tattoo, and his mom is like, we don't talk to priests, as they leave... And walk away from him, which, from what I can tell, based on this movie, only five priests were left after the war <laughs> anyway. So how is it like a societal thing where you're like, oh, they're just little vermin everywhere? It's also just really weird. Like, I don't understand what are their priests called if the warriors are called priests. Because we do see someone later on saying mass. So clearly there are people... Well, it's a Monsignor. <laughs> We see a Monsignor saying mass. It's either Monsignors or priests, and yeah. the, the priests are actually called Monsignors, and the warriors are called priests. I think that's what it is. Oh my gosh, that was the most confusing. Okay, see, here's the problem. The problem is, there's already a word for this. It's paladin. <laughs> I know. You didn't need to call them priests. You could have called them paladins, and that would have cleared the whole thing up. But then, how would we have known that they were priests? <laughs> but they're not priests. Rose? I'm not going to have this argument <laughs> with you. There's priests and monsignors, and that's it. 
So he gets to his apartment, or I guess outside of his apartment. Um, he attacks Hicks, Lucy's boyfriend from the town, KMG. He tells the priest that they took Lucy and that the priest's brother is badly hurt. And Shannon, the mom, is dead. And he wants the priest to help him get Lucy back. And when he doesn't immediately get an answer, he turns around and walks away. Yeah. Which is surprising. He goes before the church to ask for his authority to be reinstated. Monsignor Plummer refuses because he says, it's not vampires. Uh, there are, there's no vampire menace. And uh, stop talking crazy. It was just bandits. And he's clearly just denying that it's even a possibility. Because there haven't been any escapes from the, the reservations. reservations. Right. Which really makes me wonder, actually, why the priests aren't being used as guards at the reservations. I know, right? What are these guards supposed to do? If those cartoons we saw earlier are accurate, there's nothing they can do. Yeah. Christopher Plummer straight up tells him that the citizens have faith that the church will keep them safe, and he is not to shake that faith, and he will be excommunicated if he leaves the city. All of this is a crazy decision for this guy to make. Yeah, because for one thing, you have priests sitting around not doing anything. Why not send them out to... Well, for one thing, why not send them out to just take care of whatever problems you have? Surely, if you're this much of, an, of a dictatorship, you need some sort of force to keep everyone in line, dissenters and stuff in line, and probably also to take care of bandit menaces. Why not use the priests that are insanely loyal to you and apparently the most badass super soldiers of all time? Why would you waste them just saying, well, just sit here until you die, when you could be using them to consolidate your authority over the people? Yeah, I don't understand that, and I also don't understand why in his attempt to retain the people's faith and keep them loyal to the church, he's saying everything's safe? That's not how that works. No. If you want people to, to be living in fear and think that you're the only thing that can keep them safe, you want them to think there is a, a danger out there. Which is funny because it actually should have been the opposite. It should have been that they're told, like, well, you have to train or whatever because the vampires are coming, the vampires are coming, and then the twist at the end is they there's, find out there's no yeah, vampires. Yeah, there's no vampires anymore. That's what it usually is. Yeah. Because if, I, I don't understand, they're stuck in the cities being loyal to the church because it's safe outside now? Yeah. That's what you're saying? Yeah. Okay, because life looked so great there. <laughs> in a sinister train, Lucy is terrified in a cage. The black hat that has captured her says she's in the cage for her own protection which is clear because there's some freaks that are i don't know trying to eat her i don't know and she says her uncle is a priest and he will come after her and after this guy he says i'm absolutely counting on it and it's carl urban what also why did lucy need to be alive for any of this she didn't need to be, but it did seem like Carl Urban, he kept trying to convince people to join him. Well, but there is that. I think he really wanted someone to take him up on this, and I don't know, <laughs> no one else would, maybe Lucy, who knows. But he's got yellow-green eyes and little vampire teeth now. He's still not named, he's called the Black Hat. So creative. Yeah, I know. In a bar, It's also ridiculous to call him the Black Hat if there's not a character called the White Hat. I know. It's just because he wears a black hat. Yeah. So the black hat and the priest. And yeah, insane. exactly. I know. First plot hole. 
So in a bar in the city, there's a sympathetic Monsignor, and he's telling the priest that he can't go. It would be sacrilege and risk what they have. The priest says, well, I don't have a choice. And he's like, that's what I was afraid of. And a bunch of armed soldiers come in and try to stop him. They fail extremely quickly. And it's almost a comedy scene because the <laughs> Monsignor doesn't even turn around. He's just sitting at the bar where he's like, Ugh, another one, please. <laughs> Back in the western town, Brad Dereef is a traveling peddler of snake oil that is alleged to keep vampires away. Honest John's Medicine Show which, if you have to say you're honest, you know it's true. <laughs> He's got a top hat and a weird black feather coat, it seems like. Yeah, this is not a guy I would believe was honest anyone, based solely on his wardrobe. I know, and his hair. I, everything about him. Yeah. So Hicks chases him off uh, when he shows up with the priest. And people are upset because they say, well, we need something to protect us. So it's clear that people out here understand that vampires can still be a threat. But I'm Which, sorry. I, did the church not realize this? I think they don't care what people in the towns outside of the city know. I guess not. Uh, because they're so isolated, it doesn't matter. But it seems ridiculous unless they're also restricting travel between areas. Right. So off goes Honest John. Maybe we'll see him again. There's no reason to. Ever. Uh, I guess not. But why'd you bring in Brad DeReef if we weren't going to see him again? Why? That, that's the question. Then why did we need to see him at all? We didn't. Yeah. We're just an unnecessary character. We have to fill our 94 minutes. Old way. You gotta, put, you gotta have something to put in your movie. Oh, sorry. 87 minutes. Oh, man. Uh, which, honestly, was kind of refreshing. So many of these movies are, like, two hours long. I know. They don't need to be. They don't need to be. It's part of why they're bad yeah. in a lot of cases. So, Owen is dying. And he says he always thought that his brother would come back after the war. And the priest said, well, it didn't seem right. Also, surely he wasn't allowed. Unclear. The church made it seem like, I mean, they the Monsignor made it sound like he could never leave. I think he just didn't want him going to the town to avenge his family. But it does seem like it would be a bad choice to let them set up residence in a small town because they would run the town. Yeah. So maybe, maybe that was it. Owen says that Shannon never forgot him, and he asks him to bring Lucy back and kill all of the vampires. Hicks says that the clergy contacted him and asked if he had seen the priest, and that anyone going after Lucy was going against the church. Hicks still insists on coming along and proves his possible worth by showing his prowess with a knife and saying he's even better with a gun. The priest has been sitting there carving crosses into the ends of bullets, which... I, there's never any evidence that any type of religious affiliation actually has an effect on vampires. Yeah. It's just something to do, I guess. Just a way to dull your blade. Yeah, exactly. And maybe make the bullets go off track. Hicks asks what for, anyway, that he's doing that, because he thought priests didn't use firearms. We don't. They're for you. Oh, he knew all the time he was coming. After a quick funeral for Owen, Hicks and Priest go to the homestead and follow the tracks north to a reservation. There are no guards there anymore, and all they see are vampire familiars, who all look like Marilyn Manson. Priest says that he thought familiars were illegal now. And Hicks says, well, they are, but these are all drifters that come from the edges wanting to be infected. They want to belong somewhere, and... It doesn't matter to Hicks, so he doesn't stop them. 
because they're just staying here on the reservation. This is a dumb way to operate as a law enforcement officer. I know it is. Yeah. It's kind of like the logic that says, well, I don't care if kids throw stones through windows as long as they're not robbing the house. Yeah, I know. But the other thing is, he shouldn't be in charge of this reservation. Well, if he is, he needs a lot more help, because there's <laughs> apparently no guards there. Well, yeah, the guards should be the one keeping familiars away, and also, clearly, the guards all have been killed. <laughs> yeah. So, not surprising. So they go into the underground part where the vampires are, and they don't have a lot of time because it's already almost sunset. They go into one of the rooms and ask a familiar, where's the girl? But he's just kind of nutty and maybe doesn't know anything. It's useless. So then the other familiars all come downstairs in a gang to attack, and they chase Hicks up to the outside. The priest kills them all but one familiar and tries to get answers from him. But this is a world where it goes from 30 minutes until sundown to total dark in 10 seconds. Yep. So the five vampires come out, and now they have to fight them. You know what's funny? I just realized, you in a world where you vampires were a constant threat, or, you know, a threat at all, you might think that you wouldn't want your city so smogged up that it was dark all the time. Wouldn't you think that that would be... There's a lot that of people reason- would automatically feel safer in sunlight. Yeah. There's actually a lot of reasons why you would want that, and that's a huge one if... Uh, although you can't really say that, since your whole deal is vampires don't exist anymore, everything's fine. So the priest dispatches them pretty quickly, and the familiar <laughs> now has no protection at all, so tells him that they took the girl west. Says, you have no idea what's coming, priest. Well, true. Do you mean that in a universal sense? Because they're going away from where they are. Also. Yeah. You have no idea what you're going to go find? (laughs) The familiar tries to bring some morality into this, and I can't tell if the movie believes this or not. This was annoying, though. He says, haven't you done enough? Look what you've done to them. They used to rule this land. They They were what nature made them, just like you. But if that's true, then why can they infect other people with seemingly with evil? Yeah, but I would also say that that argument doesn't necessarily hold water. Also because if they were, you know, created by nature to be as they are, and what they are is just things that kill as many humans as they can in their existence, well, nature also created humans to exist and to want to continue existing. So it would be up to nature that humans tried to wipe out all the vampires. So this is a dumb argument. So that is true. If you're speaking evolutionarily, a lot of times people view evolution as having, like, being sentient and having an end goal, which is not true. Um, it's just something that happens. So, yeah, if you're, if you're viewing it from that, it's just completely dispassionate nature then this is just what's happening because it's happening. Yeah, I guess that's true. If he's saying that somehow there's a moral... Like, if God created them to be as they are, then then you would be saying that God only wants vampires to exist. I mean, because then you get yeah. into the problem of, like, well, why would God create a creature who was only going to spend all their time wiping out another creature that he created? Right. Because then you can't say that one is, I don't know, this is just such weird, the problem is that vampires don't, are never given a purpose 
Other than killing all humans. Right. They're never given a natural history that we can tell. So it starts in medieval times, but we don't know, is that when a huge war started? Is that when we tried to, started trying to eradicate all the vampires and move into their lands? Were they all over the world and they were always killing humans like this? We have no idea. Would they not naturally kill all humans if left to their own devices? Like, right. Because you could compare them to, well, it's not fair to kill a tiger just because a tiger could kill a human, but tigers don't spend all of their time just killing humans. Right. And so we don't know, did the vampires only start doing that after? After we started a huge war against them to try to take over their their sweet, sweet desert lands. Man, that was worth <laughs> it. Um, it's very unclear. So it just makes the argument really muddy because we don't know if they really are animals or if they really are evil because there's argument, you can see it both ways. Yeah, so it's one of those philosophical cliches I think people like to throw into really bad movies to try and make it seem like they're telling you something. Exactly. Like, oh, but have you ever thought about what the vampires are going <laughs> through? And I'm like, no, because you didn't let me. Exactly. Don't try and ask me these questions. This is dumb. You're not making an argument. Yeah, don't, don't try to save it now. Priest and Hicks are going back to, they're going to look at the Solomira hive, which is supposedly empty. But Priest says that there are more than 50 crypts in this reservation and there were only five vampires left. And they were the weak ones that got left behind. Everything Hicks says in this movie is a hackneyed and poorly delivered line. <laughs> it's really weird. They didn't need lines like this, but sometimes they're like, well, it's kind of a Western, so let's get some stupid Western lines in there. Yeah. And he says, I may have missed the war, but I know the look a man gets when he likes killing. It comes easy to you. It's stuff like that where you're like, what is happening? And also, I don't think they prove that. I mean, Hicks says it. That's a lot of it. He, they just but, say things. Uh, but... Priest is clearly someone who's been beaten down and suffered a lot, and I never get the... I get the impression he's really good at it, and he's probably enjoys doing something he's good at, but, like... Right. Yeah, it doesn't... He doesn't seem like just a straight-up killer to me. No. No, and it's not a struggle that his character deals with. No. So then the priest teaches him how to shoot at vampires, which move differently than humans, and it seems like he should have done this before they left. Also, him teaching him how to shoot at vampires is basically, like, they move really quickly and in circles, so, like, you just have to point at where they're going to be. And I'm like, that's true of literally everything. <laughs> the problem is knowing where they're going to be. It's any moving target. Yeah. Yeah. It changed Hicks shooting a lot, apparently. So, that's all you, you need. Back on the Sinister Train, Honest John has come to Black Hat with information. He tells him that a priest has come around looking for the girl. That is not information that he needed. It's the only reason this character exists, so clearly it was crucial information. Yeah. So as a reward, Black Hat bites and infects him and tells another familiar to put him to work. We were supposed to see more of him later, but then they couldn't get Brad DeReef back on set, I think. Oh, that's funny. Well, just as well. Yeah. In the desert, we see the ruins of what looks like a modern city with skyscrapers and, like, satellites fall into the ground. I have no idea how that would have happened. If the war was already happening, how did those cities ever evolve? Like, yeah. how were they ever built, you know? Maybe there were better times and worse times so in the war. So close to the huge hive? I mean, maybe, but this, again, is like... It stop, is weird. Stop building a past for this world that makes no sense. <laughs> yeah. And if they were able to build these huge cities and wall them, 
why couldn't they wall the cities they already had? Well, true. It's It's a lot easier to put up a wall than to build an entirely new city with a wall. Yeah. So it's really strange. And again, I have to say, I really like the aesthetics of this movie. Oh, so pretty. I, I love these ruins that we're seeing and, like, all of this stuff. I really love it. It just doesn't make... When you think about it for two seconds, it doesn't make any sense. Well, and the way it's shot, too, the camera work, I thought, was really good. And the yeah. way they they even... They would occasionally have Paul Bettany step into a frame and pose in a way that looked like it was a comic book drawing, yeah. which I really liked, too. Oh, yeah, and his costume was so good. Yeah. And he was really good at it. He, and here's the thing. He's really good in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't... Okay, no, I'm sorry. I need to, to draw a sharp line there because <laughs> his accent was infuriating <laughs> through this whole film. I hated it. Oh, no. Yeah. I didn't even really notice it. It was awful. I didn't enjoy it I at just, all. I just noticed that Hicks' accent, sometimes they, like, a little bit of a Western accent would come through, but mostly not. And I was like, oh, how yeah. bad do you have to be to not be able to do a Southern accent? So, now we're getting Hicks' boring story that no one cares about. Lucy wanted to tell her parents about them, but Owen was hard to get along with. Priest asks if Hicks loved her, and he says yes. And the priest says, if she's infected, I'll kill her. And Hicks is very against that for some reason. I don't understand why. I mean, I get that that's sad, but he's like, no, I'll stop you. Yeah, and I but was do like, you want your girlfriend to be a familiar? Because apparently the church never bothered to research a, a cure for this. <laughs> no. Well, there's no threat anymore. Why would he <laughs> uh, And he's full of the conviction that he can somehow stop the priest if he wants to kill her. And I'm like, what? Nice try. Why do you think that? That is suicide by priest. Yeah, seriously. So they get to the hive and start searching the tunnels. The priest goes down into the deeper tunnels, and Hicks stays a little bit more up top. He finds a doll in the dirt as he's sitting there, and I don't understand the significance of that, except maybe to say, like, was it supposed to say that they're still active? I don't, that doll didn't... Maybe it reminded him of when Lucy was a child? I don't know. I don't know. There wasn't, that was a strange scene. The priest fights a shadow that he meets in the tunnels, but it's Maggie Q, the priestess. She says that the other priests were ordered to bring him back, and the other three went to the nearby town, Jericho. Then they hear Hicks shooting at a big monster that looks like something out of Stranger Things. It's a hive guardian, and the priest says the only reason that Hicks is still alive is that it's too big to get down to them where they are. Why would you have a hive guardian that is bigger than the tunnels it's guarding? <laughs> I guess because they don't want it to get in with the vampires? I don't think it would attack the vampires. Because up where it was was still part of the hive. I don't know. It's just clear that, like, you know, even if the vampires had been there, that thing would have been useless. They go up to fight it, but I really don't know why. They didn't need to get in or out that way, I think. Maybe yeah. they did. I don't know. So, the priest and priestess get to work on killing it. She says she didn't come to bring the priest back. She came to warn him. Which, I don't know why. Because, well, we find out later. I mean, I guess... That she clearly has a crush on him. Oh, yeah. No, she... Yeah. They talk about how hard it's been, and yeah, she strongly hints that she's in love with him and has been for a long yeah. time. I, yeah, I should say, like, yes, kind of a noble 
love that she's not expecting anything from or demanding anything from him at all, but she clearly likes him, and so that she's coming to warn him. Yeah, I guess I what I meant is, like, I don't understand... It doesn't seem like him being warned about anything is going to change any of his behavior. Oh, well, that's true, because he 100% would have known that the priests would be... Or at least something would be sent after him. Yeah. He knows that the Monsignors are unhappy. Yeah, exactly. So they're walking through the hive, and Hicks asks why this section doesn't look like the rest of it. And she says, well, it's new, and they must have rebuilt it. They did rebuild it, and they bred a new army. Gone now. All supposition. But still correct. Yeah. Hicks, for some reason, asks... (laughs) I find it kind of offensive that he started asking Maggie Q these questions when she showed up and didn't ask Priest about this. Mm Mm-hmm. But he's like, is it true that priests are are not allowed to have relations? Does that mean you've never... Like, hey, you're looking for your girlfriend, by the way, just a reminder, Hicks. Right. I'm like, so this is just idle curiosity about some woman you just met's sex life. Yeah. Super classy, dude. And she's like, no, I was a young girl when they took me, but the priest was older, which made his sacrifice greater than most. She says he was almost your age, but this guy's 30, and I can't tell what he's trying to play in this movie, because Lily Collins is not 30. I thought she was supposed to be a teenager. Uh, Yeah, I think she is supposed to be a teenager. Well, to be fair, if he's dating Lily Collins, he's probably supposed to be, like, no older than 25. That's true. In In an Old West setting. So now that we have everyone's sex lives all hashed out, in Jericho... The night train manager. I don't know what you call that guy. The train manager? <laughs> He's sitting there at the train station. Guy's got a little hat on. Conductor? But those are on the train. I don't know. The station manager. Sure. There we go. Station master. Station master. There it is. <laughs> He's surprised to see a train come in. He is fairly quickly killed, and Black Hat gets off the train. We're going to start this scene in a quiet home with a classical record playing on an old record player so that we get a classical score over all of the carnage with Black Hat conducting. Of course. Which is a little bit cringy. He turns in the street to find the three priests facing him. He quickly rips the first attacker's heart out, and as discussed in the last episode, your heart is right in the middle of your sternum. Naturally. Black Hat offers to recruit the others instead of killing them. Let's hope they don't take him up on it. Priest and friends roll into town the next day and search the buildings, and there is just blood everywhere. And we see that the other priests chose death instead of corruption, because they are hanging crucified in the street. Nothing the priest has ever seen before could kill three priests, but he finds a pocket watch and maybe has a clue. He's also making the assumption that all three priests were killed by one creature. Yeah, which which is true. I mean, yeah, but they it lost... could have been that they fought a bunch of people. Yeah, who bunch took of... them down, and then they were crucified. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because not every priest survived the war. Uh, so they they finally realize that the vampires must have come in on the train. It's the only way that they could have been protected for sunlight long enough to get to that that town. Uh, Hicks is confused because this is the last stop for the trains before the cities, and he says surely the sun would kill them and the cities would be suicide. And the priest says there is no sun in the cities. Not anymore. 
Back on the train, Black Hat tempts Lucy with a feast on the train, and she steals a knife from it. She asks what Black Hat wants, and he says what he wants is what everyone wants. Freedom and to stop being told that his every desire is a sin. Because if you're not committing sin, you're not having fun. He says the church wants to eradicate van- <sighs> This is the most insane reasoning. I'm pretty sure that everybody wants to eradicate vampires because they murder humans a whole bunch. But according to this guy, the church wants to eradicate vampires because they have no eyes, and eyes are the window to the soul, so vampires must not have souls. Oh, right. I remember this logic. Which is crazy, because all that would... Re First of all, that wasn't scripture. Yes. <laughs> that was a poem or something. And... Just an expression. Yeah. An expression. And if anything extrapolated, it would mean you just can't see their souls. I mean, that's kind of like saying one man's meat is another man's poison, so if it's poison for the person next to you, it's your meat. Yeah, I know, right? Like, that's, doesn't, that's not the logic of the expression. Oh, I can't tell you how many times I've gotten food poisoning that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he says, not so. He's seen the soul of a vampire, and it is more pure than any man. And he is the wave that will wash clean this unclean world. And Lucy and the priest are going to help him. Hicks tells the priestess that Lucy never got to know the priest, but she wanted to. She talked about him. And Hicks asks what kind of man would kill his own flesh and blood if she becomes a familiar. And the priestess says if she becomes a familiar, she's nobody's flesh and blood. Not anymore. And again, we never see enough before and after or hear people talk enough about familiars to know what actually changes because the familiars that we saw at the beginning were apparently nuts already. Yeah. They were already weirdos and outcasts. They wanted to be there, so we don't know how much it changes people. They seem to be able, though, to have normal conversations and... Yeah, they don't turn into monsters. They just then are loyal to these vampires. But again, the only ones that we've been shown chose that life anyway. Yeah. So it's, you know, we can assume that they they get turned and become evil, but we don't know that. And again, it's insane to think that humans have been at war with vampires since the Middle Ages and that no one has even tried to come up with a cure. I know. So as they burn the other priest's bodies, the priestess gives the priest, something she held on to all of these years to remind her of everything ripped away from them. It's a crucifix. Kind of a big one. She wants him to remember that their power doesn't come from the church, it comes from God. Even without the clergy, they are still priests. Hicks chooses right now to demand at gunpoint that the priest promises he will not kill Lucy. He says, she's nothing to you. She's a stranger. Why do you care? And the priestess says, Lucy is his daughter. Man, this priestess knows a lot about his life. I know, right? She was a baby when he was taken by the church, and Owen stepped up to be her father and marry Shannon. So I guess that's enough for him? Hicks is like, okay, fine? Yeah, he's not her father in any way that matters. I mean, not by his own fault, obviously. He was taken... Again, surely against his will by the church to fight as a priest. But right. he has no relationship with her. He doesn't know her at all. Yeah, exactly. But whatever, it changes Hicks' mind. 
at least to the point that he'll he'll go on now. So they all ride out on motorcycles to... The, they've been riding on motorcycles this whole time, by the way. Presumably all the horses are dead. Yeah, probably. I mean, probably vampires ate them, right? I don't know. Hicks gets uh, in the train and finds some weird vampire sacks hanging from the ceiling of these cars. They kind of look like giant hams. <laughs> Priest is on top of the train, and he's meeting Black Hat, while the priestess is on her motorcycle, and she goes and sets up explosives far ahead down the track. On top of the train, Black Hat says he didn't fall. The priest let go. And in the hive, he crossed the threshold from life to death and found the queen of the hive, his angel of mercy. She turned him into the first human vampire, although I have questions about whether that's true, because when you see the queen's hands, she has five fingers and a thumb. She's got a human hand, and all of the other vampires have three claws. <laughs> so maybe the queen is always a human vampire? Yeah, like maybe she was transformed first, and then she made all of these other things? Like maybe... I don't know. It's also... I don't understand why this would be different, I guess because it was a queen instead of the vampires. I feel like you would just be a more advanced familiar. Yeah, exactly. But no, apparently her blood is way more powerful. So he is extremely different. Because this also makes me wonder why... I mean, vampires must be born, not created, since they don't seem to come from humans. Since Right, you know. exactly. Yeah, because you don't turn into a vampire. So, this really is just the process of turning someone into a familiar. I don't know why he would jump to the conclusion that he's a human vampire now. Yeah, I don't either. I mean, he can control the vampires that he is that are with him. Which is also weird. Why would the queen have the power to do this? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. And this is one of the things that takes away from the whole argument that, like, they're just what nature made them. They're just an animal. Because then it seems now like they're not. And the queen right. is some scheming mastermind. So, again, this was a very confused... Oh, my gosh. <laughs> ...mythology about what these vampires are. He wants the priest to join him and return to the cities together. I feel like he's not going to take you up on that. A motorcycle gang of familiars rides out to fight the priestess while Black Hat and the priest fight on the train. The priestess... Handily dispatches them, but the mechanism for detonating the explosives was crushed by one of their bodies. The priest, meanwhile, uh, refused Black Hat's offer and is punched in the face all the way off the edge of the car. Black Hat looks down and thinks that he's gone under the train, but he's just kept fearing it under the train car. <laughs> and he bursts up through the train floor and joins Hicks. They rush to the front of the train to find Lucy, but Black Hat is already there and throws Hicks off the train, reveals to Lucy that the priest is her father. He pins the priest to the wall with the knife that Lucy tries to attack him with, and leaves him there to burn in the flaming car, taking Lucy up to the roof. The priestess grabs her motorcycle and speeds head-on into the train. The priest pulls the knife loose from his shoulder, gets onto the roof in time to throw that cross that the priestess gave him at Black Hat. 
right into his neck. It's a knife also. Of course. Everything's of course. also a knife. Everything is also a knife. Right as he's about to bite Lucy. The priest catches Lucy as she falls off the train. And as they are hanging there with Black Hat about to kill them, they all see the priestess coming with the explosives. She jumps off as the bike hits the train and the priest jumps off with Lucy. The entire train explodes so hard <laughs> and Black Hat is engulfed in flames. Hicks pulls up right at the end. So he got thrown off and then he was like, oh, I see a motorcycle lying here. So, <laughs> so yep. then he got on the motorcycle and he pulled up right as everything was done. Excellent. He was so useless during this whole thing. Everyone is okay, and Black Hat's hat floats down to the ground. Who knows if he really would have been dead, because none of the sequels that could have happened are going to get made. <laughs> In the middle of a mass by Monsignor Christopher Plummer, the priest walks in with a vampire's head in a sack. He says to look inside the burning train beyond the city's walls, and you'll find hundreds more, and the queen was not one of them. As Monsignor shouts that there is no vampire menace and the war is over, the priest says, it's just beginning. I hate it when people say it's just beginning. This war has been going on since the Middle Ages. It's not just beginning. Yeah, that's really true. It's continuing a lot, if anything. Why can't you just, if you want a hackneyed line to say, why don't you just say, it will never be over? That's a perfectly good line to say. Anyway, ridiculous. Also, the uh, Monsignors are playing a real short game. It's going to be really obvious to everyone soon that vampires still exist, and now you've lost control of your priests. Yeah, and they could have used the fear to control people again, but they just didn't. Yeah. I mean, it's really sad when I can run your dictatorship better than you can. Yeah, they messed everything up, so have fun with that. Yeah. <laughs> So just a very confusing movie that I can't say I'll never put on in the background. It did look really good. Yeah. So that was good. The action was nice. Yeah. Uh, surprisingly, completely panned by critics. <laughs> can't imagine why. Right. And it, the budget was $60 million, and it made $78 million, which is why it's not... Oh, no. Never got any sequels. Yeah, that's pretty bad. They really, they hardcore set it up for sequels, but... They did. Yeah. The problem also was that this was a time when Paul Bettany, it just seemed like he was in one weird supernatural action movie after another, so... Yeah. Like, bad supernatural action movie. Yeah. So, I feel like this just blended in with all the rest, and... I think it did. This was right around the time that Legion came out, I want to say. Okay. Which he was also, like, an angel, and there was supposed to... Actually, it's so funny, Kevin Durand is another angel in it. He's, like, Michael or Gabriel or something. And something about the end of the world. And that was actually the same director. Oh, okay. So this guy directed Legion, this Dark Skies, which was an alien, a, like a aliens terrorizing a family starring Carrie Russell. And he's also done some directing and producing on Siren, the, I think, Australian show about mermaids. But it's, it's all like similar stuff. Clearly. He's got a niche. 
Well, next up, we'll be moving from bad supernatural drama to bad supernatural drama for teenagers. Ooh. As we watch City of Bones. Starring also Lily Collins, Jamie Campbell Bower, Robert Sheehan. I love him. I also like Jamie Campbell Bower. He was in Sweeney Todd. I do like him, too. But he's in movies like this. Yeah. Lena Headey, Kevin Durand, and... CCH Pounder. This is also the movie that was supposed to start the next Twilight series, Twilight style series, you know? That's right. And it wound up not accomplishing that. It eventually became the ABC family series Shadow Hunters. Okay. I see. Yeah, I knew. I knew it didn't get its other movies made. That also happened to the only other series that the Twilight Lady wrote, The Host. Oh, yeah. Luckily, Saoirse Ronan bounced back from that fine, but that movie did not do well enough to have other movies made. So that's what's next on More is More. For more of our podcast, go to moreismorepodcast.com. To contact us, email at moreismorepodcast at gmail.com.